you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Sarah Bowling. Uh, she's a professional speaker, trainer, and book author. And she's an expert in uh, training and coaching on uh, delivering the perfect pitch on communication in general. And today's episode will be about that, how to make this perfect pitch really perfect. Hi, Sarah. It's great to have you here. Hi, Alina. Thank you so much for having me. What an absolute privilege to be here. Thank you. So, Sarah, what is your story? Why did you decide to start teaching communication, uh, to start teaching this perfect pitch? Okay, so basically, I come from South Africa, hence the accents, and we recently immigrated to Australia. So we've been here pretty much since the end of 2019. My whole working life, I've been involved with our family business back in Africa, and I still am the sales and marketing director for that business. So in terms of sales, in terms of marketing, it's my passion. It's what I've done pretty much forever, as long as I can remember. Coming to Australia, there was a whole heap of opportunities, a whole world out there of what we could do, what I could do differently, etc. And I had a whole heap of plans. And then this little thing called COVID arrived. Of course, that was a bit of a surprise to everybody. And with that, I went, what am I going to do? Because the plan, the plan that didn't go according to plan, was that I was going to work on speaker and presentation skills training. I had an amazing program. The dream was ready to go. And of course, we went into lockdown with the rest of the world. So I immediately went back to the program and I thought, what have I got on here that I can teach online? And what's interesting is the elevator pitch, as I called it back then, which is the name we all know it by, was in the program and it was a small part dedicated to it. And I thought, there is an opportunity because we are living in a world which has literally been turned upside down. And suddenly, people are being thrown into Zoom rooms, Google Meets, uh, Microsoft Team rooms. Everybody suddenly needs to pitch. And it's something that I've taken for granted. I'm very comfortable with it. When I employed people, it's one of the first things I ever taught them is how do we create this pitch so that we really have impact and we inspire people to engage with us. So, of course, I sat down, as any good girl would wrote down what I had, how could I create something around this? And that's where the perfect pitch was born. So it almost happened by accident, but I certainly don't regret it. But yeah, I come into the party with 20 years of sales and marketing experience, a subject I'm passionate about, and I know the power that the 30-second pitch can have on a business. Yes, we absolutely do not have much time now to impress other people, don't we? There is no. no time to, you know, build proper relationships, have proper conversations. So what do you mean by this perfect pitch? You said 30 seconds. So how long is the perfect pitch and uh, what is the purpose of it? Okay. So when we talk about, the, I'll talk about the, the way the perfect pitch was named. 
People know it as the elevator pitch, which yeah. by definition is a 30 to 40 second pitch that introduces you and your business. And of course, in the old days of marketing, we were told when you get into a lift, you've got a captive audience, which means that they can't go anywhere. So you can have a 30 second pitch and you might just get a client. Now, it probably worked 25 years ago. But the truth is now, if you step into a lift, if you just look around you, people are engaged with their mobile phones, they've got their earpods in, they're busy with life, they're processing stuff. They don't want to be given information that they necessarily did not ask for. And if you ever do an elevator pitch in an elevator, uninvited, you'll find that they'll hit the button and as that door opens, they will run for their lives. And the truth is, if someone does it to you, you'll probably do the same thing because it's like, hey, I didn't ask for this information. Yes, it would be a bit weird, right? (laughs) Absolutely. In the old days, everybody did it. But the truth is now it doesn't work. So for me, the word elevator pitch, for me, the word is antiquated because no one would actually do it. And if they did, they're super brave or something else. So when we look at what is the difference, a perfect pitch is one that connects you to the right person at the right time. It's that moment where someone says, hey, who are you or what do you do? Or tell me about yourself or your business. And you've got the succinct message that you can share straight away. It's authentic. You know what you need to get in there so that you can ultimately lead to a meaningful conversation. Because again, people think pitching is selling. Pitching leads to selling. But ultimately, when you've delivered a fantastic pitch, they're going to ask questions. They're going to say, hey, I'd like to learn more about what you actually do. And it's the meaningful conversations that ultimately lead to the magic. So that was how the perfect pitch was actually born. (laughs) Yes, perfect. So what are the main elements? You said that we have 30 to 40 seconds. This is not so much. And uh, what are the main elements we should, what should we say during this pitch? Okay, so I have broken it down into seven key foundational elements. And I'll share that with you and obviously with your listeners as well. So you're welcome and they are welcome to write it down and and have a look at it because it seems like a lot, but when you really invest the time in your pitch, whether it's doing a pitch course, whether it's joining a membership package, whether, you know, whatever it is, you'll find that you can actually get that information fairly quickly. You get it out fairly quickly. So the first thing is your name. Now, of course, this is an obvious and easy one. So there are a couple of variations on this. In a formal setting or in a business setting, I always advise that people use their first name and their last name because as fabulous as we think we are, we may not be the only Sarah or the only John or the only whoever in a room. So I always recommend first name and surname. In a social setting, unless it's your, you know, unless it's your culture or your way, I would always recommend you would stick with your first name. If you had a barbecue, if you had a sports club with friends and someone just says, hey, oh yeah, I'm Alina or I'm Sarah or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. So number two is your company or what you do. So sometimes this is super obvious. You may get someone who goes, I'm Ronnie Smith from Ronnie Smith Plumbing. And the joy of that is there's a whole heap of information that you've actually given your prospect. They know if your name is Ronnie Smith and you're from Ronnie Smith Plumbing, that chances are you own that plumbing business. Of course, most people know what a plumber is, so you wouldn't have to really flesh that out anymore. So the difficulty comes when, for example, someone would say, 
and I don't know anyone with this company name, so forgive me. But if someone said, hey, I'm from Goodison's Consulting, all of us are going to go, who cares? Because we don't know who Goodison's Consulting is and we don't even know what they do. And they may turn around and say, well, it's a family name. It's a business. You know, everybody in our street knows who we are and what we do. And you go, yeah, but are you doing business in your street? Or are you doing business in your village or your city or your town or your country? Or hello, the way we're doing business right now, we're working across borders. So it's really, really important that people know what you do pretty quickly so that they can connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And number Sarah, three. So before we go to number three, so yeah. just to you know, recap, so we introduce our name and what we do. This is the beginning. And what yeah. if we do like many different things? For example, I'm thinking about myself. If I would introduce myself and if I would start naming all the things I do, I think that relevant everything that I do because I organize events, I lecture at the university, I'm a trainer and you know, and so on and so on. I'm a podcaster. So what do you recommend for people who do a lot of things, but they want to be relevant and to actually stick to this 30, 40 seconds? So my recommendation, and that is a really, really good question because these days so many people have got their businesses and their side hustles and most people have got more than one or two things happening in their life at a time. So my recommendation is if you're going to a function, and let's call it a networking function, there there are many different options. You know what your intention is when you walk in there. So you could, for example, be wanting to specifically look for guests for your podcast which means that you would focus around your podcast. In the meaningful conversation, they might say, hey, why did you get into this? And that's where you could say, well, what actually led me to this was that. So your story will come out in the meaningful conversation. But in terms of the pitch, it's always about being intentional. And I even say to my own students, like you never just arrive at an event with a pitch that you're just going to spit out and hope for the best because hope is not a strategy. (laughs) It is not a strategy. So if you go in with intent and you say, today I'm focusing on being an event organizer and it's an event where I have a whole heap of prospects. In your mind, you might think there's a couple of people I'd love to interview for the podcast and that's the joy of following up and saying, hey, I was there in the capacity as an event um, organizer, but I noticed that you've got a really interesting subject and I'd love to pull you into my podcast and invite you to speak as a guest speaker. But to go in with intent, because it's funny, we, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and she said, I get the sense of, of FOMO, that fear of missing out. Like I want to be able to handle everybody and everything because we want all the money to come in. But the trick is if you stand up in a room and say, I'm looking for a man, any man will do. No one's going to put up their hand. It's about saying, I'm looking for a man who's tall, dark, and handsome. You know, that gets rid of half of the room. And you actually land up getting the man, in this case, the business that you ultimately want. So I always say, be intentional with your pitch. And if you've got those side hustles, absolutely have them because they will have a place and they'll have a space where you're able to actually pitch for them. Of course, your trick if you've got side hustles and you've got a whole heap of things is you need to create different pitches for those different things so that you are ready and you don't go, oh, I'm a whole lot of things. Today, I am a podcaster. You know, in this particular space, my niche area is podcasting. Yeah. So yeah. That, would be my, that would be my recommendation. Does that help? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So let's move to the next point. 
Okay, so, now, so we've got our name, number one, our company or what we do is number two. Number three are the challenges, the pains or the struggles that your prospects may have. So a couple of things come up where people go, oh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer or negative Nancy and you know, start talking about all the bad things in life. But the truth is people often don't know what they don't know. And they may have a problem and the best way to connect with them is to say, you know, from my side, one of the things I could say would be, do you struggle to deliver your pitch with clarity and confidence? And automatically they're going, oh my golly, I actually do. This is a problem I have. This is real. So again, I often ask my delegates, you know, what are three problems that your prospects have? I normally get the same answer. Oh, there's more than three. So I say, if you're walking into a room and you don't know what the majority of the people's challenges are, pick the ones that you handle most often. Because if 70% of your clients have got the same problems, there's a good chance somebody in that audience, someone in that prospect circle has got the same issues as well. Okay, then we move to number four. This is the solution. So what we've done already is we've, we've given that hook of do you have this problem or is this a problem that you potentially have or someone you know potentially has? I have the solution. Now, often people think, okay, in the solution, I'm going to go into the who, the why, the what, the where. I'm going to draw the circles. I'm going to do that. Not at all. All you're saying to the person is, I have a solution. So, for example, in mine, I would literally say, through the perfect pitch. So, it's, it's mid-sentence. Through the perfect pitch. And then they go, okay, so there is a solution to this. There's something that can fix this challenge. And from there, we move into number five. And number five is one of my favorites. And it's actually my second favorite. <laughs> and this is what or how does the prospect benefit by having their problem solved? So in other words, how do I benefit by having the number three? What is number four going to give me number five? And this could be a direct opposite of the challenge. So in other words, are you struggling with time? I can give you back time. You know, are you struggling to make money? We can make your resources work better for you, that type of thing. And it's funny because humans are beautiful and they're amazing, but often the question on people's lips when you introduce yourself is two things, who cares and what's in it for me? Because again, we're living in this fast-paced world and you know, they're going, I don't want to save everything. I just want to save myself at this point. So by knowing what the benefits are and how that prospect could potentially benefit from your solution, you've immediately got them on board. So not only do you understand their problems, you've got a solution and you know how they are ultimately going to benefit from that. We then move into number six. And this is why you... So that, again, this is an interesting one because, again, people say to me, hey, the pitch is about me and you've only brought me into the equation at number six. I go, yes, the pitch is about you and your business, but really the pitch is about what your business can do for somebody else. So when it comes to the why you, this is where you get to speak about your credibility. And that credibility could be a number of things. It could be the years that you've been in the industry. It could be a, te a short testimonial or a win that one of your own clients have had, something that they can relate to. It might be a case of saying, you know, this is the difficulty is where we have a lot of, and it's really, really cool. We've got a lot of small businesses that are kind of popping up out of every, you know, from everywhere. And they go, I've only got a year's experience. How do I compare that to someone who's got 20 years experience? 
And there, your selling point could be that you are completely passionate about the work that you do because people like to do business with people who are passionate about their business. So find the things that make you different. Find the things that make you you because there's only one of you in the world. So it's a case of bringing that into the equation. And that's obviously talking from an entrepreneur or solopreneur side. In a business, sometimes it's easier with a big corporate company because they'll have a list of all their you know, unique selling points and you can bring those in as you need them. But there's always got to be a why you. Now, there are two things here that one has got to be really, really careful of. The first is the word cheap. So I always say there's only one thing in this world that must say cheap, and that is a baby bird. Because if you start saying, I am cheap, it is not a great impression. You are depositioning yourself rapidly because nobody actually wants cheap. It could be we offer great value for money, our prices are competitive, but I certainly would never use the word cheap because that is, that is like smack on the hand material. This is a and great second, point actually because uh, very often we feel that people want cheap. Yes, the, this is the matter of, of naming and the matter of giving proper value for money, as you say. Yeah? Absolutely. I mean, you could ask, if someone said, listen, I just want the cheapest thing on the market. You know, it's okay to say, hey, you know, we're not the cheapest on the market. But what we do do is we offer great value. These are your warranties, your guarantees, our promise, etc. But cheap is not great because yeah. when you think of cheap, you think of stuff like you think of kids' toys that are you know full the full Santa's stocking. I mean, of course, Santa's real, you know, <laughs> but full Santa's stocking with as many cheap things as possible so it bulges. All of that stuff is broken by New Year's Day, so we don't want cheap. Yeah. The second thing is, again, it's a bit of a crutch that people go to where they'll say, I mean, let's use some burger brands as an example. You know, the Big Jack is better than the Big Mac. Now, if someone doesn't even know that McDonald's has a Big Mac and Hungry Jack's has a Big Jack, suddenly they go, oh, maybe I must go and try the opposition's food. Now, what you've done is you've literally led them right to your opposition's door. So it's ne you never deposition your opposition because that isn't what makes you special. Talk about the things you do have, not about the things that somebody else doesn't have. And then the seventh element, which is this is my favorite one, and this is probably the most important thing in the pitch. Funny enough, it's right at the end. It is the most powerful thing. And that is invite them to engage with you. Because I've heard phenomenal pitches and they just finish. And you're sitting there on the end of your seat going, so like, what do I need to do? Do I phone you? Do I send a text? Do I send a WhatsApp? Do I find you on LinkedIn? Is there social media platforms? Is there a Calendly link? Like, how do I actually, how do I do business with you? So again, it's, it's interesting from a culture side where some cultures of that South Africans find it very easy to say, hey, if you want more information, drop me an email or send me your details and I'll be in touch with you. Where other people really panic and they think, oh, it sounds too salesy, it sounds too pushy. And at the end of the day, it's a disservice to not let people know how to reach out to you. And I mean, I just think of you and I, where we had our interactions initially on LinkedIn, we dropped it to email for the, you know, for the calendar invites and the formal bits. And today, the first place I went to when I liaised with you was, oh, I'll quickly pop onto LinkedIn because I know that you're always there. 
And the only reason yeah. I know that is that's where we started our relationship. So again, with people, when they finish, it's, and it's not a case of selling. It's a case of saying, if you'd like more information or if this is something that appeals to you, I encourage you to reach out to me by email or I'll put my link in the, my LinkedIn link in the chat and you can click and connect with me. And obviously, if they do, you need to do something with that information. You need to actually engage with them and have a conversation. But the invite to engage is so very important. And the invite to engage is not, hey, buy my product. Because remember, we just want to lead to a good conversation. As you said in the beginning is we don't have that opportunity to walk into a room. You know, you walk into a room, you get a feeling about a person. And you say, I really like, I like that person's energy and I want to hang out with them or I want to get to know them. You know, now we're just thrown into Zoom rooms and it's like, right, everybody introduce yourself and somehow you've got to stand out among the noise. So the seven key elements, the summary, is your name. Number two is your company or what you do. Number three are the challenges that you solve. Number four is the actual solution. Number five is how do they benefit? Number six is why you. And number seven, invite them to engage. Whew, that was like a drop box of information, but that's it in a summary. <laughs> yes, and this was a perfect summary. Wow, I already, when you were speaking, I started to think about my perfect pitch. You know, what would they say here? What would they say there? And uh, I will really put it together and think about it more. So, Sarah, you said that some people are afraid of sounding too salesy. And uh, what can we do to, you know, avoid this? Especially that I know that a lot of people think about sales as something bad, you know. They don't want to present their services and present those benefits. And especially this part, what makes me unique And the last part, how can you reach out? So those things make people a little bit uncomfortable. What can we do? What can we suggest them to make it easier? So my advice on that is it, it all comes down to how you really think about it and what your intention is. Because if somebody had to say to, you know, if someone had to say to a random person, what do you do? And they go, oh, I'm a landscaper. They go, okay, that's really cool. But like, I want to know more information. So in other words, I've asked you for that information. It's almost a disservice to not give it. And at the end of the day, by keeping it to 30 seconds, you don't have that moment where you go, I asked what you do. I didn't want a whole thesis delivered. So when it comes to confidence, it's about knowing what am I actually saying to people when they express an interest in me as a human or in my, in my business? What am I giving them? Because you're giving them information which they choose to take or not to take. And in terms of, of being confident, it's also about being authentically you. Because we have, you know, this world is made up of, of so many people and they're all so different. For me, I'm a complete and total extrovert. So someone says, hey, Sarah, tell us about yourself. I've got that 30-second pitch. I'm out of the, I'm like a horse bolting out of the starter block. This is my pitch. This is who I am. I'm proud of it. And obviously, you know, hopefully something happens, but if it doesn't, I'm also interested in what they do. So often when I meet people, I'll actually say to them, what do you do first? Because you also then get an idea of, you know, what industry are they in? What potential challenges could they have? Is what I've got relevant to them? 
so you actually so you serving people by delivering a good pitch by delivering a bad service or a bad pitch is a disservice not only to you and your business it's a disservice to them as well because no one's saying hey i want to buy from you they're just saying hey what do you do and in terms of that, where you say that call to action of like, you know, how do I get them to actually engage with me without sounding salesy? You make the choice theirs. If you would like more information, reach out to me. I'd love to help you. Mm-hmm. And they might say, oh, I don't need her help. Or, oh my golly, I'd love to learn more. Or I definitely need her help. So again, it's not about selling. It's about giving enough information to help them buy. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good perspective. I think that... We just need to change the perspective from selling to serving people and offering our services. Correct. 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, Sarah, you said you told us a few tips on how to make the pitch more effective. You mentioned do not compare yourself with anyone with, with competition. Do not mention the word cheap. What else can we do to make our pitch perfect and really impactful? So a couple of things that we can just literally throw into the mix really quickly. It does take some time and some effort, but it's always well worth it because you just don't know where those conversations go. One of my favorite words in a pitch is the word you or your. So in other words, if you had to say, I'm trying to think of how to say it incorrectly. There are people out there who struggle to deliver their pitch. Now, when I say they're people, I'm literally going, I'm looking for a man. Any man will do. Nobody's going to raise their hand. Mm -hmm. But if I had to say, if you or someone you know struggles to deliver their pitch, you've automatically brought them into your circle. You've invited them to listen. It's that little thing where people hear their name across a room. And I mean, you'd be walking through a shopping center. And it happened the other day. And someone said, Sarah. And I turned around and said, yes. I was like, oh gosh, I'm in a foreign country. Nobody actually knows me at the shopping center. But you tune into something that relates to you, something that's relevant to you. So again, if you would like more information, I invite you to reach out to me. Not if they need more information, get them to be in touch with me because they and them are somebody out there. So the word you and your is the first thing that you can bring in. Mm -hmm. The second thing is... I always, I call it little packets of three. So in other words, um, I was dealing with a lady yesterday who deals with utility bills in Africa. And she said, oh, we do a whole heap of industries. And she listed about, it's a huge business. And they listed about probably 15 businesses. So I said to her, it's too many. I turned off at number three. All I got was like three things and I've already forgotten them. So I said, pick three things. So she, she chose three. And I can tell you what they were. And then I said, but have you got, and two of them started with the letter M. So I said, but have you got another industry that also starts with the letter M? And she said, yeah. So I said, okay, what are the three? So she said, mining, manufacturing, and medical. Now, those are three very different industries. But when she says mining, manufacturing, and medical, it's a packet of three. So we remember it. And because it's got my second favorite thing in the world in, which is alliteration, it's easy to say and it's easy to hear and it's also easy for people to remember. So look for the use, look where you can create packages of three and if you can create an alliteration, that's always a real bonus. 
Perfect. So the, yeah, those are, those are the quick tips. I mean, there are there are heaps more. And in fact, I've got heaps and heaps of stuff on my LinkedIn. I've got loads of articles and your readers are absolutely welcome or your listeners and followers are absolutely welcome to jump on there and, and take it. There's, there's heaps of information for free. I'd love you to, to enjoy it. Yes, I saw Sarah that you are sharing a lot of information on LinkedIn. It's really valuable. So thank you. thank you for that. And I really recommend our listeners to read more information on your LinkedIn. So Sarah, you mentioned that we don't have those opportunities now to make our pitches in the elevator as it used to be <laughs> traditionally. But where can we do the pitches? You know, especially now in the online environment, we don't have time. Yeah, we connect on Zoom or WebEx or Teams and we just start immediately doing business. But when and how do you suggest to deliver those pitches? Okay, so there's a couple of areas. What I've found is right now with, with our online world, it's a whole new world for us, is the only thing standing between you and your prospects is a heap of technology. So generally speaking, I've found that when I walked into rooms, whether it's business meetings, whether it's meetings with people you don't, like a whole group of people who don't necessarily know each other, generally speaking, the host or hopefully the host would say something along the lines of, You don't all know each other, so let's do a quick run around the Zoom room or the, the Teams room so that you know who you're actually in the room with. And for you to be able to have a pitch that's really good, succinct, people go, okay, I know that that lady is the podcasting lady. So when we're talking about podcasts, that's the one we're speaking to. So that they're very aware of who you are and what your place and space is in that meeting. In terms of networking, again, it's a very interesting thing. And I absolutely, it was probably my not my greatest moment in life. As soon as we'd gone on to Zoom, a gentleman sent me a message and he said, hi, can we have a meeting? He was from my referral networking group. And I said, oh no, we'll wait until COVID has stopped. And I looked afterwards and I thought, are you crazy? Like, why did you not want to have the meeting? And I called him, I said, that was not my greatest moment. It was not you, it was me. Of course, we're going to have a meeting. So even back then I was like, oh no, I, I just like the face-to-face -face stuff. I like the real stuff. But it was that realization of, you don't know how long this is going to go on. I mean, we're going on six months now. We're still in Zoom rooms. You know, who yeah. could have anticipated this a year ago? So in that, it's also a case of looking at networking events. So there are so many networking events. My golly, you just search on things like Eventbrite. You'll find a networking, free networking events all around the world. And you can literally go and find the ones that appeal to you. Would my target market be there? Can I work internationally across borders? Um, And go to those events because you get the chance to pitch. You get the chance to meet. And I've met some really, really cool people that I never would have met had it not been for this crazy world. And um, again, if people belong to referral networking groups, you've got things like BNI, Business Network International. You've got these organizations where people do meet every single week and they're meeting the same people every single week. And from a pitching side, from my side, I say, you don't want to deliver the same pitch every week. It's boring. It's boring for you and it's boring for us. We need to spice it up. You need to have a whole pitch library so you've got something different to share each and every week with your, you know, with your prospects and with their networks. So it's a case of really looking for those opportunities and to never disregard an opportunity. You know, that thing of I'm just going to walk into a room and wing it and hope for the best. Hope is not a strategy. 
you want to walk in because you just don't know who knows who and how they can potentially use you and your business and your services. Yeah, I love it. Hope is not a strategy. <laughs> hope is not a strategy. Yeah. It's like a combination of I'm looking for a man and hope is not a strategy. I'm married, by the way. <laughs> but it's that concept of you can't just walk in and try and speak to everybody and hope it all turns out. Like go in with intention and have a pitch that supports that intention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a perfect example. Perfect example. Um, what should we do after the pitch? Yeah, we have this 30, 40 seconds. We captured attention, we got the interest. What should be the call to action and what should we do afterward? How do we follow up? How do we reach out and reconnect with this person after? Okay, so that is an interesting one. And again, I'm going to share another story. I'm a storyteller. Um, I was in an event and I'm a very active listener. I don't even have a piece of paper, but when I go into a networking event, I've literally got a piece of paper, a pen and my highlighters. And as people come in, I make a note of who they are, what they do. I pick up information. And when they do their pitch, I actually make notes like, okay, this person is an accountant. They're based in Singapore. Um, they work virtually. I make those notes. And when I reach out to them, I always go and find people on LinkedIn. So as soon as I've met someone, I find them on LinkedIn and connect with them. I'll generally send them a message, even if it's a short message going, hey, it was great meeting you today at the XYZ event. I'd love to connect. I would, if they put their email address in the chat box, I would pop them a personal email saying, was good learning about your business in 30 seconds. Why don't we connect and see if there are collaboration opportunities or if there's opportunities either which way. So I'm pretty proactive on following up with people because in a room, even in a room of 20 people that pitch, People don't remember stuff. And I was having a conversation with a lady and she said, yeah, I'm frustrated. She was feeling really, really frustrated. And she said, you know, um, I've got a family member who's looking for a job and we can't find a job. So I said, what job does he do? No, he's in security. So I said, you know, in the meeting that we sat in two hours ago, one of the biggest security firm's CEOs was in the room. She went, who was it? So I said, I gave her his name. And she said, how do you know he runs a security firm? I said, because he said so. So she said, so what should I do? I said, phone him. You were in the same room as him and just say, hey, I've got a family member. They're qualified. Are you looking for people? So just by actively, I mean, I would probably never do business with a man because he's in a different state altogether and we don't need the security where we live. And if we did, he's, like I say, he's in Victoria. We're pretty far away. But again, it's just like that connection for me was you can reach out to that person. So actively listen see where there are opportunities and reach out to those people. LinkedIn is easy. If they put the email address in the box, it's not spamming them. It's just sending them a message going, hey, John, it was really great meeting you today. What does your business do? Let's have a meeting. Let's see what opportunities there are. Yeah, yeah. And it is, on one hand, it seems uncomfortable for many. And I know, for example, I'm speaking about myself, I know that it is uncomfortable for me to, you know, reach out to many people after the event and say, hey, we met at this and that event, let's connect. And uh, I was thinking about this some time ago that I don't want to be too salesy. But on the other hand, when people reach out to me and they say, hey, do you want to connect? Do you remember we met? And it is kind of nice that people reach out, that they want to connect with me. So I thought that, yeah, this is not being too salesy. This is just being nice. So this yeah. reaching out is, I think, very important. 
And I think it also depends on how you reach out. You know, if you reach out and say, you know, here's all my offerings, they kind of go, okay. Yeah. But a per, you know, even if it's just that personal email that says, I really enjoyed your pitch or I'm curious to learn more about your business or I've never met, I've never met a zoologist before and, you know, it got my attention. It's about building relationships because we just have to build the relationships differently. And the pitch that we give enables people to do that. And the pitches that other people give, give us the opportunities to see where are their commonalities and, you know, how can we connect? What do we have in common that we can talk about? Because every single person, every single person, even if they are totally not your cup of tea, there's something in people that you can connect with. You, you sometimes just need to actively listen or, or you know, seek it out. But there'll always be something that you like or something that, that connects you to them. Even if it's a case of, oh my gosh, you mentioned your favorite concert was the Fleetwood Mac concert back in 19 whenever. It's my favorite band. Or it's just something to connect and start building a relationship with people. And it's not about selling. Because if you're going to sell all day, you're going to be exhausted. But building relationships is fun. Yeah, yeah. And when you really actively listen, you can see that you have so much in common with people. I mm -hmm. found out that some of my people I know, yeah, they, that someone likes dancing, for example. Yeah, salsa dancing. Yeah, I love salsa as well. Or someone is running. Yeah, I love running as well. So we immediately build this connection and then we reach out to each other, we become friends. Yeah. So when we find those common things, it is so much easier after this to build business relationship on top yeah. of something we have in common. Absolutely. And there's always a commonality. Even if that commonality is we were at the same event today and I enjoyed the guest speaker. They might come back and say, the guest speaker was awful. And you go, oh, golly, that guest speaker was saving the world. <laughs> We're clearly not meant to be together. But again, it's yeah, just finding that common ground and, and being unafraid. Because what's the worst? Someone emails you back and says, please don't email me again. That's okay. You can't dance with every boy at the ball. But it's certainly worth putting it out there. And it's not about selling. It's about connecting. So when you pitch, bear in mind what people are thinking of you. And when other people are pitching, be an active listener. Active listening is, is it takes energy. I'm not going to lie. Even as an extrovert who does it all the time, it does take energy, but the rewards that you reap are fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, Sarah, uh, what about the challenges of online communication as you are a communication expert? So what challenges do you see uh, now in this online world and uh, how can we overcome them? So I think a big thing is people are distracted. I don't know how many times I've been in meetings, and I'm sure that you have as well, where you'll be in a meeting and someone will literally put their thing on mute and they, they're suddenly talking to somebody in the ether or they're reprimanding their child or saying, no, I don't want lunch. Um, and, you know, and the kid comes around the back and is taking stuff out the printer. And it's happened to all of us. But the truth is you need to be present. Because I always say to people, there was a lady in, a, in one of our networking groups and she was there, she was on the screen, but she was busy doing household chores. So she was ironing and then she was washing the dishes. So she was listening and she was there. But the question is, would you actually do that in a real live meeting? You know, and if your phone yeah. rang in a real live meeting, would you really answer it? Like you would either put it on silence, you'd cancel the call or you would excuse yourself. So putting yourself on mute and thinking it's okay is not okay. Um, the, the joy of actively listening 
is you don't get distracted either because you're focused. And people people notice that. You know, people will will notice that person will deliver their pitch and they've done and they can just sit back and, you know, check out the world as it goes by and not really participate in the meeting. And and I think that that leaves an impression on you as a person as well because people want to, you know, they want people who are engaged, you know, with the program. And the biggest challenge is that we can so easily turn off our video, turn off the sound, we can have a conversation with our partner, our kids, shout at the dog, carry on doing household chores, and that's the biggest challenge. So it really comes down to the individual. Of course, we've got all the fun stuff with Zoom of you're on mute. I'm sure that's the most said statement of 2020 is you're on mute. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you, I think that the challenges are big, but the opportunities are so much bigger. You know, who would have ever thought that we would be doing business internationally every day because we, we, were for, we were forced into this corner. And isn't it wonderful how resilient humans are to say, push me in the corner, I'll make it work. Yes, yes. I, I see a lot of benefits in this, that the fact that we are able to speak right now and to record this yeah. podcast episode, you're in Australia, I'm in Poland, in Europe, we have huge time difference, but still we are talking and so it's like we are in the same room. So this is amazing. However, yeah, this focus challenge and especially that we have a lot of those meetings. Yeah. So sometimes I have now days when I have meetings like back to back. So I turn off one Zoom, I click on the other immediately because I, I'm already late to the next one. And yeah, exactly. uh, this is our reality right now. So this is really a challenge to stay focused all the time. Now stay focused and be in the moment. And if you are running those back-to-back meetings, I mean, we've kind of gone off the pitch a little bit, but running, you know, when you run, I never run back-to-back meetings. I'll always put a 15-minute in between. And it's just so that you can go to the restroom, you can grab a cup of tea, you can sort out whatever on earth it is that the family needs in that moment because you want to be, you want to really be present in every call. You know, you want to be able to communicate, to actively listen to be as present as you would be in a real live room. Yeah. So yeah, the challenges are big, but like I say, the opportunities are way bigger. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so Sarah, to sum up our conversation, so what is your biggest advice for people who want to work on their communication skills, who want to make this perfect pitch work? Okay, so I always say that you need to invest, whether that's, you know, you can invest in me, <laughs> I'm a coach, um, or you can invest your time. And it's a case, you might even say, I'll share a couple of offers that I've got with you and um, which you can share to your listeners as well, is it might be a case of, I don't want to spend money. Invest in the time. Go and read everything that I've got on LinkedIn. Every article's got something that you take away and apply immediately. So learn and invest in the time and put time aside. You know, a lot of people are still in lockdown, unfortunately. And um, take that time, even if you say I'm spending 30 minutes twice a week working on my pitch, working on the elements. In your case, where you're saying you've got all these different things that you're doing. So spend a day where you go, in this half an hour, I'm working on the event management pitch. In this half an hour, I'm looking at podcast guests. In this half an hour, I'm looking at the next thing. That you actually put time aside to invest in the pitch because it's so powerful and so relevant right now as well. Um, From my side, I've got a couple of different offers that I have available. The first one is absolutely free. All you need to do is invest your time. And I run pitch for coffee sessions 
It's 30 minutes. It's online. We delve into an element of the pitch. We have loads of fun while we do it. And anybody can come. So some people come once and they don't come back. Maybe that I just don't connect with them. Other people keep on coming and they just keep on coming and they keep on learning. And it's an absolute pleasure having them. Some people come a couple of times and go, hey, I want to sign up for a paid course. So for me, I'm super flexible. And what I'll do is I'll share my details with you. So any of your listeners who'd like to join that pitch for coffee can literally drop me an email and I will send them the links. Free, log on, register, easy does it. Then, of course, I offer the courses, the Perfect Pitch course, which is a four-hour course. I run these pretty much every week. Um, The time zone is early morning in Australia, which would probably be your time evening. So the time zones do kind of work out. But again, I'm also flexible and I've done some at really weird times to accommodate people from around the world. So again, it's literally a case of coming doing the course, investing the time, investing the money, and knowing that you're going to walk away with the tools and the know-how on how to actually do it. So those are the two um, things that we could offer immediately to your listeners, whether they want to pay or whether they would like to take advantage of the free option. So if they'd like to do that, they simply can drop me an email I'm not sure if you've got comments in your podcast where you can share the details. Yeah, sure. Sarah, uh, you can share how can our listeners contact you, like share this now. And also I will put this under our podcast episode so that those who are interested in your courses and in reaching out, they will be able to contact you. Perfect. That's 100%. So the the first place is LinkedIn. There's only one Sarah Bowling on LinkedIn. So if you Google me or if you LinkedIn me and search, you'll find me connect and let me know where you heard about me so that we can, you know, I can also thank uh, Lena for the leads. It's always nice to acknowledge people. And of course, you are welcome to drop me an email as well, which is my name, Sarah at sarahbowling.com.au. So nice and easy, sarah at sarahbowling.com.au. Otherwise, find me on LinkedIn. I'm there and would love to, I'd love to reach out, connect and learn about your businesses and see how we can help you get your pitch perfect. Perfect. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you. It was great being here. An absolute privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.